I'm thankful for uh, the reading. Thank you so very much for for sharing the reading from the 137th Psalm. Uh, and you, I didn't know you looked a lot like Charlotte, but I'm glad <laughs> that you <laughs> that you stepped right in. Um, but I am I, I'm glad. Thank you so much for for the reading. And I think that there is good news for us today. If you will allow me, just for my own comfort level, to get all the shaky knees out, if I could read it once more. By the rivers of Babylon, there we sat down. Yea, we wept when we remembered Zion. We hung our harps upon the willows in the midst of it, for there those who carried us away captive asked of us a song. And those who plundered us requested mirth, saying, Sing us one of the songs of Zion. But how shall we sing the Lord's songs in a foreign land? If I forget you, O Jerusalem, let my right hand forget its skill. If I do not remember you, let my tongue cling to the roof of my mouth. If I do not exalt Jerusalem above my chief joy, remember, O Lord, against the sons of Edom, the day of Jerusalem, who said, Raise it, raise it to its very foundations. O daughter of Babylon, who are to be destroyed, happy the one who repays you as you have served us. Happy the one who takes and dashes your little ones against the rock. I have to say, um, by way of clarification, I often don't like to read the ninth verse. It is not something that as we, as good Christian people, want to even read, even though it's in the scripture. This morning, I thought it was important to call it and read the passage fully. Because without reading it, it leaves out the real essence of grief that also brings us to the part of being angry. And I want us to know that it's okay to be angry. I'm concerned that without keenly being aware and without the gift of imaginative reflection, and without careful examination of our temporal and spiritual and political and social context, we will discover that the pain and problems and predicaments we find ourselves in have effectively stolen our song. Not a song made up of musical notes, or of harmony or melody, but a song that tells the truth in the midst of lies. A song that proclaims light in the midst of darkness. A song that proclaims life in the midst of death and dying. A song that proclaims justice in the midst of oppression. And a song that reminds us that right will overcome wrong. That fairness and faith will always overcome systems 
of oppression no matter what those powers may say. In this climate in which we live, wrong can be passed off as right. Evil is separate, celebrated as if it were good. Deception is promoted over the veracity of truth. Violence is heralded more than peace. Tribalism is encouraged over tolerance. And yes, must I say in this climate, what you say and what you do do not have to be congruent. Yet, with all of that, it is unfair in this world and all that is unjust in this world and in our lives. There is something that demands of us to engage our current circumstances in profound, progressive, and powerful ways. I would dare submit unto you and remind us that perhaps God wants to know whether or not we can sing even when our hearts have been broken. And perhaps God wants to know whether or not we still can hold on to a song, sing it honestly, faithfully, and true, even when we know wrong seems to be ruling the day. Perhaps God is saying, where are the people who should be singing or playing a song in the midst of a world that has no regard for the truth or for God, for justice, for mercy, or for humility? Where are the people I've been keeping from hurt, harm, and danger for so long? And where are the people who in their real life situations are wondering where their children are or have been and I have kept them from doing the wrong thing, going the wrong way in the wrong moment in their lives? Where are those who I wiped the tears away in grief and stood by them as they were fighting for right in the midst of wrong? I would have to say that I am one of those people that sometimes when life turns a different way, it's hard to sing a song. So when God asks me, where are you? Do you have a song to sing? Let me know that you still can sing. I call on the song that we just sang. I will lift my voice and sing. And I am mindful that I'm not singing without a conscious memory of what has just happened what has been happening, and what may happen. I sing because God gave me the song. I can only imagine what you're thinking. How can I sing when all this has happened to us? I didn't ask for it. All we wanted was honesty and truth and fairness. We did not deserve this. So it is in our text that the psalmist seems to come at us out of the blue. Any decent reading of the psalm will give you pause because it seems out of place. I hope you don't mind if I take a little preacher's license. It's interesting that this 137th psalm sits between the 136th psalm and the 138th psalm. It seems out of place. The 136th Psalm is a psalm celebrating and sharing with others 
the faith of the psalmist about how God has been so wonderful. It is a psalm of praise, a personal recognition of what God has done in a life. The 138th Psalm calls for the congregation to gather together. Let us all sing. And somehow in the middle of those two psalms of praise, we find this 137th Psalm that kind of wriggles its raggedy self in the midst of these two praise psalms. Why is it here? And why is it so different from the others? I've kind of thought about it, and I thought that in life we have these moments where we have highs, one mountain, and then to get to the next mountain, we have some valleys in between. And every now and then, the things that we want to happen here and want to happen here don't happen the way we want until we experience some valley moments. And maybe, just maybe, this 137th Psalm represents that feeling. It's good to be in worship and to have God be on our side when things are going well. It's another thing to offer a song of praise to God when they're not. So the psalmist calls us to a place of pain, of protest, and of praise. There is no reading of this psalm without feeling acutely the pain of loss. By the rivers of Babylon, there we sat down. Yea, we wept when we remembered Zion. It is interesting to listen and to notice that they didn't sit down to weep until they got to the rivers of Babylon. They didn't cry when they were carried away into Jerusalem or from Jerusalem. They didn't cry when the invading army had come and killed their loved ones or tore down the walls of Jerusalem or when they carried out the gold and the precious items from the temple, but they wept when they remembered, when they got to Zion, when they got to Babylon, when they arrived at the shores of Babylon. Sometimes, my beloved, we can't cry until we realize that what used to be is no more. The relationships we used to have. The memories that we held so dear. The places that we recall, we will never be able to go back to them, and that's when we weep. That you cannot go back to the places and the people and the practices that you were so familiar with causes grief. And what has just happened this past week is a marker in the history of the church that whatever happens from here on forward, we cannot go back. We will never be the same. We will never see things the same. We will never hear things the same. And I've come to realize that's okay. Because whatever was is marked in a place of history. But our songs keep going as a memory for what has happened, but also what will be. I'll hasten on. I have something meaningful to say today. What is more disturbing, that it is not only that they didn't weep, but they made an open, that they did weep when they got to Babylon, but they made an open demonstration that they were in protest. 
They hung their harps, the instruments with which they worship God, on the poplar trees. There's so much in this text, I can't preach it all, and I only have five more minutes to get it done. They had the audacity, and their captors had the audacity, to offer them the privilege of bringing their instruments, but they refused to sing and hung them on the harps, uh, on, on the, hung their harps on the poplar and willow trees. Now, some of you may not understand why this is a good shout waiting to happen. <laughs> poplar and willow trees have been known throughout the African-American experience to bear strange fruit. Fruit not born from its seed, but fruit untimely born and, dare I say, untimely hung. They were declaring for us that every time you hang, kill, murder, jail, miseducate, mistreat, disenfranchise, disrespect, Dishonor one of our sons, our daughters, our brothers, our sisters, our mothers, our fathers, aunts, uncles, friends, and loved ones. You hang our song on the popular tree. You attempt to take away that in which God has placed in us. It's not enough. It is enough to make you not want to sing, rather. Yet, to add insult to injury, the same people who did all of this to us, asked of us to sing a song. No. They, while tormenting us, demanded that we sing the song. Demanded that we be faithful in church. Demanded that we show up. Demanded that we support. Demanded that we stand by their initiative, their ideas, their desires. And ask of us a song. Now, that's not right, is it? To use the phrase that my daughter uses now, uh, what we're not going to do <laughs> is allow you to, do, to beat me, to break me, to box me, to bruise me, to berate me, to betray me, and then turn around and demand I sing a song. But the song takes a turn. I want you to hear this. If that were all there were, I would leave it at that and we would celebrate and walk out. But the psalm takes a turn. Just when you think the, the pain and the protest are what we should be doing all the time. The psalmist asks a peculiar question of those who would hear and for us who are going through our own captive experiences. How can we Sing the Lord's song while in a strange or foreign land. How can we do it when we have lost everything and there seems to be no change in our condition for the foreseeable future? Hey, I think I feel my help coming now. I think I have it. The psalmist gives us a clue. He or she reminds us to remember, to remember. 
The psalmist responds to his own question or her own question. If I forget, O Jerusalem, may my right hand forget its skill. May my tongue cleave to the roof of my mouth. In other words, I don't want to be able to do anything and I don't want to live if I forget what you have done, O God, through the places where we've lived. I may not be able to go back to Jerusalem, but I will never forget Jerusalem. What's in Jerusalem? Jerusalem, I dare say to all of us, are the people who loved us in spite of what others have said about us. In Jerusalem, we found the root system that helped us to grow up and grow strong. What I'm reminded as an African-American male is that when I see this surge of all that is happening, giving forth hate and discrimination, I am reminded that my ancestors gave me more. I'm not what we were back then. I had their strength to run on with. I had their song to sing. So I sing it because their song has become my song and is not a sprint. This is a journey that we build for the next generation as we go. Never forget that our song has history rooted in a place where God met us a long time ago. So let me share with you. I'm going to go sit down. I promise I will. Here's why you don't sing. If you're going to sing because the church demands it or someone else demands it, That's not the reason to sing. Don't sing because of your circumstances, because they change, don't they? Sometimes we think we are on the high road and something happens and we can't get the strength to sing because our circumstances have changed. Don't sing because of the crowd, because everyone else is around singing. I said this to a good friend of mine this week, and I reminded them of the words that come from Kirk Byron Jones. That while we are often standing at doors that have been slammed in our faces, banging on them, asking for entrance, wanting acceptance and affirmation in that door, stop a moment, turn around, and realize that the whole world is open to you. God allows us opportunities to be able to see that God is working through all of it. So don't sing because of the circumstances. And don't sing because of the crowd that demands a song. And please don't sing because this ain't karaoke. You can't sing someone else's song. And no matter how I try to sing Smokey's song, I don't sound like Smokey. I have the words, but I don't have the experience. This is your experience. So sing your song. There's something that demands that even in Babylon we sing. We sing in the face of empire and the powers that seek to destroy us. We sing in the face of injustice and over racism. Why? We sing because we recognize that even those who are bigoted in their thoughts are confused about understanding differences in people's lives. It's okay, because we don't sing for them. We sing because our lives belong to the one who gives us strength to sing. I'm finished. I'm going to stop. I can hear uh, 
my daughter saying, Dad, please stop, too much. I had the wonderful experience, Pastor Jewel, of actually getting a close-up look at a hummingbird. I've never gotten that close. And last spring, I got really close to a hummingbird. I, I was amazed. So I did a little research, and here's what I found about hummingbirds. Hummingbirds have this unique gift to do what other birds don't have. They can hover and move in all directions almost instantaneously. Most birds have to kind of move forward. This one moves diagonally, horizontally, vertically, like an insect does, but it has this ability to do it. And around the hummingbird's throat is this beautiful, unique color that is all theirs. Almost a rainbow of sorts that's not like any other bird, not even like any other hummingbird. It's their song. And they sing not because they want attention to themselves. What the hummingbird does is find unique flowers, pollinates them, does whatever they do. I have no idea. I'm no scientist. I didn't go to Washington. I saw it, and they do what they do so that others will hear the song and then be drawn to the flower. The hummingbird disappears, and people are over the flower. UUMC family, keep singing. The God that gave you the song, the God that is in the people, keep singing. Keep singing. Keep singing. Because you could hear the words of James Weldon Johnson say, Lift every voice and sing till earth and heaven ring. Ring with the harmonies of liberty. Let our rejoicing rise high as the listening skies. Let it resound loud as the rolling sea. Sing a song full of the faith that the dark past has taught us. Sing a song full of the hope that the present has brought us. I encourage you to keep singing. Even when your heart is broken, God shows up in your song. God bless you.